Hello and welcome to The Importance of Staying Earnest, where we discuss the elements of taking on a career in the arts as a young person in the modern day. So sit down, stand up, grab a tea or something stronger and come with us on our journey to find some direction in our lives. My name is Harry and with me is my fellow host and good friend, Emily. Hello, yes, in this episode we are talking about making the decision to pursue a specific career, going to drama school and what it's like to start out as an actor. So joining us today is one of our old friends um, who we've known since school and it's the lovely Jessamy Walden Day. Hi Jess. Hello guys. How are you? Very good intro. Thank you. (laughs) I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good. Do you want to just say a little bit about who you are, what you're doing at the moment and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, so I'm Jasmi. I'm an uh, aspiring actor, I think we'll say, rather than actor yet. Um, and I'm currently studying uh, a master's in musical theatre at Guildford School of Acting. Ooh. Very fancy. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, we've all known each other since school. In fact, me, me and you joined the school in the same year, I think, didn't we? We did, did yeah. We were tiny people we were... in year five, I believe. Yes, yeah, year five. Am I the... Am I the veteran, the school veteran yeah, in, you in this crew? I God. believe so. I All I remember is, is Emily arriving dressed fully in black and me dressed entirely in pink. <laughs> and it was <laughs> a match made in heaven. <laughs> well, I remember... Oh, God, this is going to be very cringe. But um, I remember because we were sort of put with, like, buddies when we started the school. It was kind of the idea of, you know, you get paired up with another student and they'll sort of, you know, show you the ropes, take you around. I guess the idea is that hopefully you'll become friends or whatever. Um, and the person who I was buddied up with, their group of friends would just sort of spend break time sat around chatting, which age, what were we, eight, nine? Um, that I found that really boring at that age. Um, and I just remember being in the lunch queue, having been like really bored for the first couple of weeks. And I just overheard, I think it was you, Ella and Sophie, (laughs) chatting and you were basically being like okay so this break time I'm gonna play this character and I'm gonna play this character and I think it was one of the like Wait, fairy games and I overheard no. and I was just yeah. like I found my people <laughs> what we used to like fully I mean we played they were make-believe games but we would like cut and like do scenes and we, we were already little actors we oh my God. way before we knew it um yeah yeah, you, you found the crazy and then you we stayed friends, best friends throughout all of school from that moment yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, ever since really. So that's, you know, lovely. <laughs> it's a little bit embarrassing. Look, we've been creatives from the off. Um, I was going to say, yes, like, we have. the direction started at a young age. Most people find their passion later in life. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in year five, these two were just <laughs> oh, already we were so preparing annoying. their careers. Training Honestly. from day yeah, one. Pretty much. You're, you're joking, but we, I like, I, I, I knew at that point, I was like, I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, wow. on that, so obviously like, you wanted to, you knew that you wanted to go into performing from when you were very young. Um, yeah. And, you know, you'd sort of always said, like, I'm, I'm going to go to drama school as soon as we finish school and, and all this sort of stuff. But when we were around yeah. sort of 16, 17, 18, you changed your mind a bit for a while. Um, and I was wondering yeah, if you'd be happy to sort of talk about that a little bit. Of course, yeah. So I always, always wanted to be, um, well, particularly movies. I was, a, I've always been a movie lover mm. um, ever since I was tiny. And I remember saying when I was 
really young, I'm going to join drama school when I'm 11. And then I got to age 11 and didn't do it. And then I said, right, I'm going to do drama school at 16. And then I auditioned and got a place and then didn't go. Um, so it was kind of this this constant, I really wanted to go, but it meant leaving the safety of being at a very good school and getting, like at the time I was getting pretty decent grades. Um, so I always had, you know, teachers and, and family members telling me, you know, stay, do something more, air quotes, academic, um, and don't go into drama. So that's kind of what I ended up doing. And, and I, I put off the dream, as it were, to, to do something that I thought was a more sturdy thing. So why I then chose to do English at university, <laughs> I don't know, because I don't think that's any more sturdy. Um, so yeah, I went to do English and creative writing at, at uni and was miserable and missed performing and missed being on the stage and I, I hadn't sung. And then after the, the degree and after a couple of years of just working two part-time sort of shift jobs, um, ended up saying right that's it I'm gonna go into the acting world I'm gonna go back to that dream that I've always had since I was tiny Mm. and then realized that I had been away from it so long I had no contacts no agent no nothing so I sort of flapped around in in that frenzy for a little while and then then thought no I need to go and get go and get training go and get contacts get back in touch with my dramatic roots (laughs) and here I am halfway through yeah um so what did that what did that look like that um when you and because the main thing we like to talk about or the people we talk to is the the feeling of being in the middle of it and so when you made that decision having come off the back of 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 your degree and thinking okay i want to pursue this direction coming to that realization of okay what does that look like what were your steps taken to in your mind or physically to try and amend that kind of you know lack of contact lack of direction I think the first thing that I did was Googled <laughs> how to get an agent because I I knew that I, if you wanted to, to do anything, you need an agent. And I, I got onto all sorts of um, like casting websites and things that I had read online were good. I even paid to subscribe to casting websites. Um, and you obviously make your little profile, you make a CV, so you say what you've done, you hopefully get jobs. And, and I, I sort of existed on there for a while, sort of hunting down jobs all the time. And ended up getting nothing but unpaid work. So not really work at all. Um, but getting roles in sort of short films and things that a group of people were putting on. And it, and it was all unpaid work. And um, that was quite sort of draining. Because um, I was also working the two jobs at the time. I hadn't completely quit my two jobs yet. Um, so it was kind of, a, kind of a juggle. And I was getting to getting to a set and spending the whole day on the set and being knackered and learning all my lines and giving it the performance of my life and then being like, I didn't get paid for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that that's the kind of point where I, I thought, okay, I, I'm going to get an agent. So I, again, went online, um, went on Google, typed in London agents um, and basically sent off a headshot and a, and a resume to all of them and heard nothing back from a single one and thought, ah, right. <laughs> what is missing here? What do I need to do? And um so many, so many things said um, drama school. I, I had a couple of agents come back to me and say, get back to us when you've done your training. Right. So it, I realised that although it is a lot of money it, <laughs> and not everyone can access perfor- a performing arts school or, or a university degree, you kind of needed that as a foot in the door if you didn't have contacts. Mm. So that was kind of my realisation. And, and I've been living in, in Guildford for quite some time, literally 15 minutes, I mean, maybe even less than that, from 
Guildford School of Acting. I went to uni um, in, the, in, in the same university and sort of thought, right, I'll just send in an application there. And I just sent, that's the only application I sent. I didn't send any for any other schools. <laughs> so I risky really move. Back yeah, very risky move. Usually people sort of do about five or more. Um, so I sent off an application um, and then that was sort of beginning of COVID time. And actually it was, it was a little bit into COVID time. Um, and then I did my sort of online audition, online interviews, and then got a place and was like, right, okay. And it, it was a, a bit of a bit of a whirlwind. There's a funny story about the audition, which I guess I can tell you. Yeah. Um, so it was all obviously all online. Mm. Um, and I thought it was really weird because I had submitted my application. You have to pay to audition, which is ridiculous, but I submitted <laughs> my application to audition. And then I hadn't really heard anything back from them. And you have like, you make a little profile um, online on, on their website. So I kept checking the profile. And then I saw a thing that said, upload evidence. And I was like, okay, what is upload evidence? Mm. And I clicked on it. And it said, upload videos of you singing and dancing. So I was like, right, that's really vague. Yeah. I was like, is this my is this my audition? Um, and I checked through my emails and I was like, oh, I've heard nothing. And I, I remember sort of showing the, the little thing where it says upload um, evidence videos. And I said, at no point does it say audition. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to just going to like link my my YouTube channel where I have, you know, some singing videos and a little bit of me prancing around the garden, <laughs> like really unprofessional. Like some of the, the videos that I sent were just like a sort of 30 second clip of me singing Disney. Like, um, and I sort of just, because it said evidence. So I was like, oh, maybe it's just to, you know, just to support the application to say that you are who you say you are and you can, you do have some level of singing and dancing. And then once I've done that, then they'll call me in for the audition or then I'll do a video audition or something. So I uploaded a, a couple of videos. Um, and then I got an email like weeks later saying, thank you for submitting your audition. What? And I was like, sorry, <laughs> like what? And I, I freaked out and I, and I, you know, was emailing them and basically um, everyone else I now know had received an email saying, please submit um, two songs recorded in this way. One must be legit. One must be contemporary. Please, um, and then they, they sent some choreography and said, please send this choreography. So basically all no. this stuff I, I had completely missed. So I was supposed to send in two contrasting songs that were recorded in a certain way. I was supposed to send in like a ballet video where I, I copy the video and learn it and send it in, you know, all this stuff. There was like hoops to jump through that I hadn't done. So how I got a place, Absolute. I have no idea. Because they must have... <laughs> Power I was so unreal. arrogant to not <laughs> who is this <laughs> to not do any of the stuff so I was so embarrassed I was mortified when I when I found out I only found out once I actually had got the place and met my peers oh really and they were all talking so about like oh how did you find the audition <laughs> and I was like what <laughs> so did you have to do anything after that point or was that that it just um, so I obviously had already got the place, which is a miracle. Um, and then the, the university did ask me to send the correct dance videos right. in simply so that I could be put in a um, in a sort of you, we have le different levels of dance ability. So they said, can you can you submit the videos yeah. that you were supposed to submit? I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I mean, oh that's gosh. their fault for not sending you the email. So. Yes, I don't know I if guess... I just wasn't on the email list or whatever, but the I think the fact that I got in, even considering the circumstances, I was That's... really chuffed yeah, with. Definitely, <laughs> it's a good yeah. story, man. Um, That's a good story. Oh. But but not the best start. They probably thought I was just really arrogant and just decided that I was going to just freestyle. <laughs> like, Audition materials. And it's just like That's, you in you your kitchen singing to yeah. Frozen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know the video. Oh, I, I love that you know what it is. <laughs> 
goodness, Jess. Oh. So that was my start to my my experience of of uh, a master's degree. I Very mean, professional. Could have been worse. <laughs> and since then, what does it look like? Has it been all Zoom stuff? Like, has it what's hell of a year to to do a course in anything uh, yeah. what does drama school trust look me like i i right undenied about it for a while because um coming into it there although obviously we didn't think that um covid restrictions would last this long um there was that element of like oh will it still be in covidness by the time i start mm. um and the start date did get pushed back we started in january instead of september um, and then when we started, it was entirely on Zoom, which was quite a blow mm. because obviously they, they had planned this welcome day mm. um, where we come in, you get a tour, you meet your peers, you have like a welcome lecture, all this sort of stuff. And because um, the COVID restrictions were sort of the uni is sort of trying to keep up with all the new announcements. So everything, you only hear about something like a couple of days, you know, and then it's like, yeah. right, okay, we have to change everything. So they hadn't really put anything in place to substitute that kind of welcome day. Right. So we didn't really get like a welcome day. And then it was the first, the first like class. And we sort of all logged onto this Zoom and, you know, we hadn't met each other before. And the teacher just launched into it. And then halfway through the Zoom, she was like, well, obviously you've all met each other. And we were like, well, no. no. We haven't even had like a like a welcome to GSA, and she went, "Oh, welcome to GSA!" Like everything was was quite last minute, and then dancing in the living room was was pretty cringy and difficult. Um, obviously, some people I have it worse than me. Some people are in like literally tiny, tiny halls rooms. There was one girl that um, she to tap on, so she had a tiny, tiny room in her halls with carpet floor, and we were doing a tap lesson. She had with sellotape stuck together pages of a book to try and make her tap floor. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> to tap on. So she had like like the the back the hardbacks of books with a few sort of pages and like just this sort of makeshift floor to make tapping sounds on. Um so that was kind of how it started. And then I mean I love the creativity slowly eased. I creativity know, is great, but I mean it's isn't it just crazy to think that like one of the top drama schools in the UK, that's that's what it's come to in twenty twenty one. That's what we were doing. Yeah. I mean we've we it's been it's been difficult, uh, obviously, for, for everyone in all aspects of the world, but particularly for, you know, performing and dancing and doing it yeah. all in your living room. That was, well, things that involved, that was really what, tough. And, you know, avoiding yeah, personal And the weather contact. was bad as well. So you were sort of mm. like, um, Never we, couldn't, we couldn't go out, couldn't dance outside. You were just sort of trapped in a little room with it raining outside thinking like, is this my, my drama school moment, you know? Mm. Um, I do like the idea of making it, a set out of like, taped together books though and stuff and doing a tap based on that that sounds actually like a cool idea <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty ingenious i think i we had some leftover floorboards um which i sort of laid down as my my little mini stage that was about a meter by a meter so so my for all your dance area. classes had they like choreographed stuff that was basically all designed to be danced on a postage stamp or did you just sort of have to make it Work. yeah it was all it was all dancing on a postage stamp there, there was no no movement whatsoever it was quite quite restricted yeah. i mean bless them the, the staff were all doing all doing really well but that only lasted a few weeks okay, and then good. we were um then we were they call it hybrid learning so half half in the building and half um at home so anything that's was acting or singing or anything that doesn't require movement was on zoom and then we were going in for the dance classes right they have um squares drawn out on the floor two meter by two meter squares you have to stay in your square 
you have to sanitize the floor before and after you use it, sanitize the ballet bars, the mirrors. Um, I um, shower every time I get home. Mm-hmm. So like I, I strip off my clothes in the garden, run straight in and have a shower. <laughs> so there's like no like con- contamination. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Really? Um, so it was, yeah, it's, it's a full operation. Um, <laughs> because obviously when you're dancing and sweating yeah. and, and oh gosh, dancing, dancing in a mask is a whole other, oh, whole other ball gosh, game. I hadn't but... even thought of that. That's gross. Yeah, it's really hard to breathe. We've had a couple of people get a little bit dizzy and Ooh. have to step out the room. It's like altitude training. Um, yes, it really is. It really is. Although I've heard that apparently your oxygen doesn't go down. It's more of a psychological yeah. thing. But oh. when you're trying to gasp, like literally gasp for a breath and the mask sort of goes into your mouth, like it sucks, suctions in. It's like, it's not pleasant. and then you can't breathe. Yeah, it's, yeah. And like, even it's if it is a psychological thing, if that's causing you to like not breathe, properly like that's still going to cause you to get lightheaded so exactly yeah and now so obviously things have been slowly slowly lifting now we are allowed to sing in the building but obviously we have to keep our masks on so now we're singing and dancing at the same time with a mask on which makes the makes the gasping air even harder (laughs) (laughs) um so it's definitely an individual experience i mean we we've had it's been difficult for everyone and we are actually in in the midst of having some sort of we are complaining to the university about certain things and there's been kind of a kind of a tension kind of a back and forth because obviously we're all paying full price yeah. and it's just yeah, not imagine. been that you know it's it's not been how it would how it would have been if we were doing it in a non-covid time and obviously it's difficult for everyone but yeah i'm sure it will be sorted but yeah i think um there's been something lacking for sure it's not been the drama school experience that that you would hope yeah. <laughs> but hopefully as things ease it will get back to that especially as you've is been it, waiting literally yeah. <laughs> the amount of times you've wanted to go and then haven't for various reasons um i know but in a in a way it's good because i sort of spent the first half of lockdown with no purpose mm. you know um i uh, funnily enough i quit both my jobs because like, i was working two part-time jobs i quit both my jobs in like a I'm going to pursue acting full-time move. I was really burnt out and just exhausted from it and um, quit both my jobs and said, right, I'm going to pursue acting full-time. And I think it was the next month lockdown happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I spent the first half of lockdown unemployed, no income, um, you know, literally no purpose. So in a way, even though it hasn't been the experience that I hoped it would be, mm. having drama school sort of there has been a really productive time of lockdown even though it's not been not been the same as it would have been other years I've sort of I've found my purpose halfway through lockdown and and then started my master's so in in a sense it's been a positive thing because it's given me something to you because this lockdown has kind of been a dead time right you can't audition Mm -hmm. for things so I'm kind of using the dead time to to top up my training so yeah put yourself in a better position coming out of it Exactly, yeah. Actually, so hopefully as lockdown eases, I'll be ready. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember actually chatting to you a little bit sort of pre-lockdown and everything in that time because, I mean, so we graduated from uni at the same time, didn't we? So we had mm-hmm. yeah, we about, well, about a year and a half, I'd say, between graduating and then like um, lockdown hitting in 2020. Um, and mm. I remember speaking to you in that time and I remember you were getting very frustrated um, with a working these sort of two part-time jobs whilst trying to pursue things but also you kind of touched on it earlier but just the fact that you you felt like you weren't really able to get anywhere in terms of the acting 
And I was just wondering if you'd be... Yeah, I, f- I felt like I had given up, and which is crazy because I was only 20, well, very early 20. How old were we? 22. <laughs> um, but I felt, like, I felt like my, my dream had gone, like I had like, missed my shot, mm. missed my chance. Because you hear of these sort of child stars and things, or, or people starting from very young. And, and I felt like, I, because I had missed out on the drama school when you're 18 kind of thing, I felt like I'd I had sort of that was it my dream was done I I hadn't done it and now I was going to be working these two part-time jobs with sort of no future no like no more performing I sort of I cut myself off from performing I had opportunities I could have gone and done dance classes I could have you know joined a local theatre group but I think I I literally completely psychologically shut myself down from the idea of performing right. because I just couldn't I had to either go for it and achieve my dream. Mm. I couldn't have it as a part-time thing because that felt like, I don't know, like a cop-out. Like I, I wasn't being true to myself if I just sort of did it part-time. So I, I guess I thought of acting as very all or nothing. Mm. And I thought that because I because I hadn't gone to drama school and I hadn't pursued my dream, I was like, this is me now. I'm not a performer anymore. That was an old me. So I completely psychologically didn't want to even think about performing. Right. Um, and then I... Um, a sort of a turning point I think was so I have a a little YouTube channel mm. where I post re- post really cringy videos that I very much dislike watching back <laughs> um and uh, quite near the beginning of lockdown I didn't even have the YouTube app on my phone so I didn't I never got notifications or anything and I I went on YouTube um not to see how my video was doing but just to do something else and I saw that I had like hundreds of notifications and I was like what on earth is going on like I thought it was something bad and I went on and I saw that my my one of my little singing videos that I had posted had got like I can't even remember now but a, a pretty for me a pretty crazy amount of views um, and I had so many comments you know like hundreds of comments of people saying wow she's a really good singer and all this stuff and I cried I got really emotional mm. because I had shut myself off from the idea of ever singing and dancing again mm. and then to see people start to comment on this this quite old video um saying all these lovely things that was a a turning point for me so I sort of that was the thing that made me I guess completely change life path and decide that I haven't given up on my dream I can still get back to it 100% so I jumped 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 all in after that point I think there's something to be said I think all three of us sorry I'm sorry I'm doing all all three of us have that same position where it's like what you just mentioned there resonates quite hard, which is the sense of, well, it is all or nothing, right? And Mm -hmm. what I think, because I've wrestled with it as well, I've had the luxury of of, and somewhat pain of immediately jumping out of uni into lockdown because the gap between all or nothing thinking and the steps it takes to reach a position where you think, yeah, I'm doing it, this is going well, are often quite tricky because it is that mm. part-time work and you can get trapped in that whirlpool of thought which is oh my god it's so far down the road and there's no point in doing it unless I reach that point so mm. and I don't know what the steps I have to take to reach that point are it's just a void and that yeah, really overcoming void. that really void yeah. and we've talked to a couple of people actually on this podcast about what overcoming that void looks like and I think it's almost to, to it is both to the benefit and detriment of having a mindset where it's okay this is what i want to do and i want it to be at this level there's no point in doing it until uh, unless it's at the top level that i can do and if it's anything less than that it's not worthy 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 mm. and 
worthy worthy <laughs> good words um <laughs> uh but and so i think you know something like getting the feedback to say you could have taken that way worse the feedback of oh you need more training right you could have taken mm. that as a oh well i haven't had the training so i guess that's it but taking that as a step into the void of okay well let's go and pursue some training and let's you know take similarly you could have seen that submit evidence button and just gone oh i don't know what this is i'm going to leave it again taking that step yeah. <laughs> right like it's tricky and i think a lot of people wrestle with the same thing i remember the same was for me with sport the question with sport was always like well is there a point in doing sport if it's not in pursuit of the top level of sport and it's like well yes but mm. you know you've got to assess your reasons for doing things and if your reason for doing performance is to you know go as far as you possibly can that comes with the fact that you're going to have to wrestle with your brain going you're not doing it at the top possible level yet maybe you shouldn't do it and <laughs> it takes time I, to get know. there yeah, definitely. i think it also probably comes a little bit from um obviously the school we all went to was quite um very high achieving yeah. <laughs> and like, i remember do you remember they had this obsession with where will you be when you're 25 well, they still um, do. Oh gosh, <laughs> I, dread, I dread the the twenty five yeah. meetup. And it was um, oh, there's quite a funny story actually about that. With um, I'll explain that in a minute. But th there was this sort of obsession with like <laughs> you'll have you'll be where you want to be at age twenty five, and I mean yes, that's but like you're in your mid twenties, like yeah you know say most most people won't be in the career that they're going to no. stay in when they're when they're twenty five. No, yeah. and like when we were younger i remember thinking oh yeah no you know it'd be be so interesting to see where we all are at 25 and yeah it will but not because <laughs> i'm expecting everyone to you know have reached the pinnacle of their career at that point and let's be honest if you have at 25 it's a bit sad really what do you do after that um, there's going to be a couple and, you know there's going to uh, be a couple of people who've done really really successfully for themselves and everything about that yeah. is going to be just all on them and then I don't even know if I would end up going to the meet, but then it's just going to be like people like us who are like, yep. I remember having that box um, on our, I think it was our Leavers book or something. Mm. And it said, where where will you be when you're 25? And obviously I wanted to say, I want to be an actress or I want to be a famous actress. But I didn't put that because I didn't want to get to 25 and be really upset looking Aww. back on that thing. So I mm. think I put on a beach with a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> something achievable. Yeah. <laughs> And then COVID hit, so maybe not. Um, and then COVID hit, yeah. So maybe it's that. not achievable. It's all right. We'll go back to Devon. <laughs> I'll go to Portsmouth cocktail. Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say what beach. <laughs> we can be shivering in raincoats, but with a cocktail on a beach yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Tis the British way. It is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I think it was funny. You were saying um, about about sort of aspirations. I think a moment that a lot of people have, and, and I definitely have, and I've had a couple of times, is am I doing this just because I want to be famous? Or right. am I doing this because I actually want to do the job? Because obviously, if you're going into it just because you want to be famous, you're probably going to have mm. a real miserable time. Mm. Um, and I had that question. sort of, that yeah, that discussion with myself, like that sort of vanity thing. Like, am I only doing this because I, I see these famous actors and actresses and I want to, I want to have their life? Um, and I think a moment that I always go back to is um, Emily you probably remember when I did National Youth Musical yes, Theatre yeah. a couple of times um, and I did West Side Story and we did a pr production in Manchester um, and I wasn't a main role or anything 
Um, I was just a dancer in the background, but I remember like weeping after pretty much every performance because I just loved it so much. Mm. Like it still gives me chills thinking about it now, but I actually like was just so in the moment and just loved every dance move, every song. And I still can't listen back to West Side Story without getting that sort of shivery. Like, and every time I have that thought of like, do I actually want to do this? Like, is this what I want to do? I always sort of take myself back to, I think I was 15, 14 or 15. Mm. I always take myself back to then. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. I'm not just in it because I have this, this sort of strange fantasy of becoming famous. Even if I, even if that didn't happen, as long as I would, was doing a job where I felt that excitement, mm. that's why I want to do it. So I, I had that sort of discussion with myself because it's something that, and at drama school as well, they, they sort of, um, when I, said that I wanted to do film and TV, there was, no one, no one said it, but there was kind of this like, ooh, like you're just in it for the fame and fortune. Like we're proper theatre people, <laughs> you know? It's, it's kind, of, kind of a funny, so I, I did, yeah, yeah, you do. We discuss a lot as well, the, the sort of weird snobbery that's in drama where like a straight dramatist might look down on a musical theatre person or like this kind of, um, yeah, or like a, a, a there's like proper theatre actors who do Shakespeare and then there's like film and TV actors who aren't real actors, but everyone kind of, there's this, this weird kind of vibe around which path you choose to go down in acting, which is a, yeah. I get that. Obviously working in um, TV, but coming from a theatre background, I sometimes, I feel like it's probably all in my head rather than, like, I can't think of anything anyone has ever said, but um, mm. I sometimes feel a bit like they're like, oh, she's from the theatre, like, oh, she'll sort of want all this sort of... <laughs> fancy yeah. deep stuff so fancy. when we're just here like Utah. making comedy tv <laughs> i'm all about both. i think one of our one of our vocal teachers said something said something in our class about about our careers and moving forward and mm. he said oh if you're if you're just here because you have a youtube account and you want to get youtube famous and i like <laughs> cringed because the main reason that i chose to go to stage school is because i had a youtube account that started doing really well and it made me feel validated so he was like if you're just here for the validation of others and you want to become some youtube star then this isn't the place for you and i was like oh no <laughs> i like that you go back to a moment i was going to ask emily do you because i think i have a moment similar which isn't quite as yeah. grandiose, but do you have a moment where you go, you've been somewhat involved in something that you want to do and you kind of, your brain goes, you have that, maybe not quite weeping. That seems hell of an emotional reaction. I'm like, very mad, extra. I'm very extra. Mad, mad props. Like, wow. But um, yeah. do you have a moment like that? <laughs> I don't think I necessarily have one specific moment in the same way. I have like a culmination of moments. Um, and they're, they're a complete mix. I have various moments where I've been sort of on stage and I just kind of have looked around. In fact, the first time I went into um, the King's Theatre in Portsmouth, um, I remember just walking around backstage and I was just kind of going like, okay, I never want to leave a place like this. Um, and I remember various sort of yeah moments on stage and just feeling like, oh, I, like, I can't get enough of this kind of thing. And then it turns out I could because I decided I want to direct instead. But um, and yeah, I just sort of various moments and even like watching things. I remember watching um, Imelda Staunton in Gypsy at Chichester Festival Theatre. Um, there was this moment right near the end where um, like it's sort of this moment of quiet and there was just this one spot on on her and I remember I just started crying and it obviously was partially down to her what can only be described as a fantastic performance but also I just remember thinking like this is this is what I want to do this is where I want to be um 
And then in my final year of uni, I did something called the Director's Project, which um, was basically like a 12-week course where we had this brilliant director, Gwenda Hughes, come and sort of teach us how to direct. And then we directed um, an extract from a play of our choice. And I did a bit from Angels in America. And I just, yeah, I remember on the last performance when I left the theatre that we that we did it in, I just remember thinking like, okay, no, I'll be back. I'll, I'll be back here, mm. uh, which sounds so corny, I know, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a little I think you can't you can't talk about a love of of drama and theatre without hitting some cliches. <laughs> yeah, well, I I think that that's it. Though I think you have to love it because otherwise, why on earth would you sign up for this? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think particularly while starting out, there's all of these issues around like trying to earn enough money while to support yourself while you pursue these things because realistically, you're probably not going to be making a living out of it from the off. Mm-hmm. Um, and like constantly looking for the next job, uh, like you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of judgment difficult things and it can also feel quite personal I think I probably think probably even more so for you Jess perhaps than than for me and Harry you know if you get rejections as an actor obviously it's not a personal thing but it's so hard not to take it personally when it's essentially you that you're trying to sell oh goodness yeah it can be like soul crushing can't it and I think that is what breaks a lot of people in the industry and there's this sort of emphasis on being strong you know and and like not taking any of the knocks and not letting it affect you but Mm. I don't think that's true I think everything affects you and then you you let it affect you and you get upset and you process it and then you decide how to move forward with that criticism or with that rejection or yeah I mean it's something that I have had experience but (laughs) yeah I've had experience in it but I don't think I've had the full I've not had my my moment yet of like ultimate rejection (laughs) I don't think I've hit that wall yet yeah (laughs) probably a Um, good thing (laughs) probably a good thing yeah you were talking about um like the acting taking on acting full-time and having to have another job and all that sort of thing Mm. I've been phenomenally lucky because I had a a job kind of land in my lap literally I I had a a lady message me on Facebook and she said I think you'd be a really good candidate um for a tutor for my my kids she has these two kids who are um autistic and they they have a few other health problems um and she messaged me saying Mm. I've seen I think she had seen a post that I put on Facebook or something um, and I've been teaching these these boys, obviously currently on Zoom. Mm. Um, they're super flexible. I mean, their their timekeeping isn't very good either. So it's like if we miss a lesson, it's like, oh well, we missed a lesson. Let's book another <laughs> one, kind of thing. Um, so I've sort of la- landed that job, and it is phenomenal. The, the amount that it has supported because it's so flexible and kind yeah. of informal. Um, it's it's been a real having a good part-time job that's super flexible is just the ultimate help going into acting because I think the mistake that I made is I took part-time jobs that weren't very flexible and that couldn't really accommodate for me cancelling at the last minute or taking a a holiday to go and you know do some acting for a week or something I think the the part-time job that um, supports you yeah zero hours contracts for so many people are awful but actually, for people yeah. who want to get into the arts, a zero-hours contract is almost the perfect thing because you, you yeah. don't want to be tied down by any hours. You just yeah. want to sort of be able to earn money when you need to be able to earn money. And and um, exactly, working yeah. a so nine to five a, I think... is just the amount of the amount you have to manage your time. Because I get back at like quarter past five, mm. and I'm like, 
but I've got to do X, Y, and Z thing of what I actually want to do. Otherwise, I'm it's all kind of for naught. And I can I saw it was the first time that I yeah. saw. I was like, wow, this is how people blink and years go by and then they're dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's such a such a thing. And I spent a year, yeah, working two part time jobs full on, and it gets to the point where you can't really say no to hours because you kind of feel like you can't say no, and then you, it's like boom, suddenly a year and a half has gone by. I graduated, yeah, ages ago. What am I doing? Like I had that exact same moment. And I think just ha- out of pure chance, pure luck, happening to find a part time job that perfectly supports what I want to do was an absolute like stroke of luck it's really changed things for me so you sort of forget that the the part-time job is really important having something flexible (laughs) is so important it's so funny how these things sort of just fall together and then fall apart in in an industry that is that is so hit and miss um and obviously i think covid was was proof of how much it can fall apart because you know everyone else in a in a job in a career got some some sort of payment in some way if you were self-employed or, or if you were on um oh gosh what was it called um i can't remember getting Furlough. paid <laughs> fellow that's the word thank you um but then if you were an actor who was just doing odd jobs here and there which is what i was doing um it it was a little bit like right yeah. <laughs> what is there to support me um so yeah i think covid was kind of a it highlighted how easy everything can fall apart when you're in an industry that fluctuates so much and i think it highlighted Um, as well that gap between you know the establishment of like well oh it's very easy to say oh theater will survive you know film tv all these creative things are going to survive it's like yeah they're surviving for people who are involved in it at a high level where there's money but little old me who's just been booted out of uni who wants to, you know, needs to get on if he wants to do something doing small budget things or, you know, community things or whatever, that's just gone. And there's no real, like, if you even before paying rent, just trying to pursue what you want to pursue is absolutely absurd at the moment. And I think what I've, and I've said this before, what I hope isn't the case is that it'll take a week for big time theater to come back and, you know, years for smaller theatre mm. to come back simply because of the, you know, the hangover from 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 the time off, from the money, all this kind of stuff is that, that's going to hit it. And I'm hoping, my fingers are very much crossed that, you know, the next few years are going to be kind of, you know, post-war economic miracle style of, of resurgence for that kind of stuff. And there's Harry's yeah, plea I to do. the Arts Council Please. for funding smaller applications. Fund, fund things. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even have to be in them, just fund them. Mm-hmm. But it'll be very interesting with the drama school thing about so the, the the void that I had was lack of agent right that was that was the yeah. thing it was a complete wall I couldn't even apply to agents without having the drama school and the drama school that I'm currently have have I think it's a hundred percent success rate of getting people signed on to an agent before oh, they leave um, so yeah last year's cohort all got representation so I. Will I can't see how it could couldn't be a, a step up no. doing yeah. doing this training. Out of interest, hopefully, yeah. Do you think it would? Do you think it's possible to pursue a career in acting without going to drama school? I tried. Oof. Maybe not very hard. I don't know. I I sometimes I think I'm not a very determined person. <laughs> I don't know, but I I found that. 
the people that didn't go to drama school had contacts, had family members, and that's how they sort of right. were making their way up. Um, and then the people who, when you go to drama school, it's pretty much you. Drama school is pretty much a golden ticket. Like you pay crazy amounts of money to basically get an agent at the end of it, you know. Mm. Um, so I think for me, in my experience, I really tried to go into the industry without drama school. Um, and I completely hit a brick wall. You know, the, the yeah. only responses that I did get from anyone, be it job or agent, was come back to us when you've been to drama school. Um, so I'm sure there there are people, maybe more determined people than me, who can break the break out of that wall that I hit. Um, but I, it is the agent thing. The agent thing is a make or break, you know, yeah. for, for me in my experience. So I don't know, but I think drama school, you're happy to be in some crazy debt. <laughs> um, it it does. I mean, I'll let you know when I when I finish if <laughs> I get an posted. agent. But <laughs> yeah, but I do think drama school definitely proves to people that you're serious which it shouldn't but it does people think oh they've been drama they've tra- they've trained here you know so they're not just yeah. someone who's woken up one day and gone i want to be a star and submitted mm-hmm. an application <laughs> it sort of shows that you have a long-term commitment to it yeah um so i in answer to that question i'm sure there are people that prove it wrong and I hope mm-hmm. there are people that prove it wrong. I was desperate to not need to go to drama school, but here I am at drama school because I felt like I had to. Yeah. So I guess that answers your question. Did you, it does. <laughs> did you not want to? Did you not want to go to drama school because you because of the money or because of and maybe I'm misconstruing here or because it's the case of like the underdog story of oh everyone goes to drama school didn't appeal. Maybe I'm misconstruing. Like what was I don't your? Know. I think it was it was. It was a mix of things. It was kind of that I didn't want to get back. I, my whole life, have been complaining about the education system and complaining. And when I was at university, even though, yes, of course, there are parts I loved, I said, I'm never going back here. <laughs> so I think the idea of going back training, and particularly because GSA was literally next door, so I knew I was going to be going to GSA, and it is a formal education, you know, you, you do still write essays and things. Yeah. Um, I I was desperate to not go to drama school simply because I was just done with the education system and I wanted to be in, like an adult in air quotes and not have to be like in that learning environment I wanted to be in the working environment I just didn't want to feel like I was going back to school so I think that was my first my first no to drama school also the money it is extortionate it is a crazy amount of money um and even worse for, for people, students that are coming from abroad. And I just felt like I didn't want to, I guess it was like on the principle, I didn't want to pay all that money for for something. Um, and then it was also, like I had said about that, I had decided in my mind that I had missed my shot because I didn't mm. go to drama school. So drama school was kind of a sore subject for me, yeah. I think, mm. because I, I felt like when I when I didn't go the first time, I had like my dream was gone. Yeah. Like I had thrown it away. I had lost my chance. So drama school in general was just something that I didn't really want to put any brain time on yeah, because I I, it was quite like brought back bad memories. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of threefold. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Um, I think that's a really nice point to. So before we um, finish up, we like to try and play a little game with everyone, if that's okay. Ooh, is yeah. it a game? I feel like it's more of a scenario. Well, I don't know. It's a, a thought well, experiment. Yeah, it is, but it, make it fun, Harry. Okay. Sorry. Um, so <laughs> we give, obviously we've had people come on who do all kinds of things. We've had stand-ups, uh, directors, producers, all sorts. 
Um, and particularly while you're starting out, I feel like you can often end up being in slightly strange scenarios and having to think a little bit outside the box. And so we've just sort of come up with a scenario for everyone that you might be in. And we're just interested in how you solve it creatively. Okay, bring it on. Okay. Um, I You'll understand why I've gone for the characters I've gone for because we studied this together at A-level, <laughs> so I know that you'll know that well. <laughs> oh no, I might not remember it. Here we go. <laughs> Do this to me. <laughs> okay, so Jess, you've been cast yeah. in a modern adaptation of Macbeth. <laughs> Do you remember it at all? Uh, yes, you've got I, a, I you've got to at least roughly know Macbeth, right? Like you've even if you don't remember the, like, the cliff notes that were required. Enough. Okay. Out, out, brief candle. Something. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Um, and you've been cast <laughs> as none other than Lady Macbeth herself. Oh, um, excellent! And the cast are workshopping the play together before finalising the script and taking it on tour. Okay. Um, and the play is now set in contemporary Scotland like contemporary Scotland uh, that has become independent country and so all the characters you know rather than being kings and such they're all sort of vying for being you know political power um okay however in this modern adaptation of the script the character of Lady Macbeth sort of comes across as a slightly weak accessory to her husband sort of playing this role of the obedient wife before succumbing to the trauma of the events that happen um, mm, yeah. So you've spoken to the writer and director and you all agree that you want Lady Macbeth to be a more influential character like in the original. So what sort of things would you do to go about building the character in this new adaptation? Oh, gosh, Emily, why do you do this to me? <laughs> You're so mean. Um, when you take something from ye olden days, when gender mm. roles were very different, translating it into modern day, I think you have to make some pretty drastic changes regarding the women because it is so, so thank goodness, different now. Yeah. Um, I guess in, I seem to remember that she actually did have quite a lot of power over her husband in the thing, in that she wasn't just a weak character. No. But I guess if you were to translate it to to modern day, I mean, I mean, I, I, you, an, a director would say no if I said this, but switch the genders completely. Have Macbeth be a female and have Ooh. Lady Macbeth be a male. I mean, I, I love that. I mean, it, it's pretty. A lot of. Um, Things have been getting criticism for doing that, you know, like the the female Ocean's Eleven and the mm. female Ghostbusters. But I love it because it makes you think. It yeah. turns stereotypes completely on its head yeah, it's and makes you because... think about the original. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I would say a, a solution to to doing something like Shakespeare in the modern day is change it up. You know, mm. have a have a queer lead lead pair, have a female lead pair. Have you know? Um, I I think that's a bit of a cop out answer to your question. No, not at all. <laughs> But that's what Not that's what I would say. I, I would say let's switch the gender roles or switch the genders and then see how it plays. Because because the minute you reverse something, you start to realise the holes in it, right? So yeah, yeah, that would be my answer. No, I like that. I like that. Very Think much. of it what you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as. Uh, you have so kindly played the game and spoken to us today. Um, we also like to give everyone thirty seconds to plug whatever they want um so whether that's me youtube channel yeah, you. you as a human being anything else you fancy well the only thing i really have of any interest is my youtube channel but i don't particularly want to plug it because as i said i cringe when i hear myself singing on that but i guess i have a youtube channel it's just my first name jessamy um and that's the only thing i have i have going for me at the moment 
Well, I'd, I'd argue that's not the only thing going for you at the yeah, moment. Yeah, like you've got any <laughs> social medias, where can people find you, that kind of thing. Uh, I have an Instagram, jessme underscore WD. Um, check it out. I don't know. I've never plugged myself before. This is my first plug. How am I doing? So great. Brilliantly. <laughs> You've already circumvented the format entirely. I guess when you're an actor, it's just your name, right? You just want people to know who you are. So Cast me. Rem- remember the name. Cast me in your next Netflix original. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Jess, thank you so, so much for chatting to us today. about. Thank you um... for having me. No, you're very, very welcome. Um, and I really hope you get an agent soon thanks <laughs> that's not the only reason i'm at drama school i, I want to point that out i, I have really a lot to learn not the first person not to get an agent out of this drama school <laughs> oh gosh uh, <laughs> thanks harry for your vote of confidence you're welcome <laughs> always here finn <laughs> oh it was so nice to talk to jess and i really enjoyed listening to that back um, although when I was listening to it back, I realised that we, I think partially because I had some technical issues during it, um, so I just completely lost, you know, lost my place in order to, to ask you. But both me and Jess spoke about our moments where we realised that, you know, what what we wanted to do and, and that we really loved, um, you know, acting or, or directing or whatever. Um, and you never told us about yours, Harry. Yeah, I sneakily managed to dodge that, that <laughs> uh, line of inquiry. Not for um, long. No, no, never, never escape questions. Um, yeah, mine's, I, I wish I had one that was quite so awe-inspiring. Um, in the sense of like, oh, I took part in a show and it like, because it, I think the PGS shows were a big one for me, right? There was yeah. the first one that I did. Uh, PGS the, was our which, school. Oh, yeah. The, the school shows was the big one for like that first um, whole school play with Wizard of Oz was really kind of the first thing in terms of not even necessarily in like theater or acting, but I was like, wow, I really enjoy the process of creating something and having mm-hmm. it out there. Right. And then that attached me to movies and all this kind of stuff. But oddly enough, it was, um, I got the, this is going to sound really weird, but I've, I got the hunger games DVD and on mm-hmm. that DVD, is a massive behind-the-scenes featurette, which goes from start to finish, <laughs> as to like how they built the movie, like and it shows and it's got the interviews with the producers and directors, and that was the first kind of thing where I was like, I mean, I enjoyed the movie first mm. off, um, but then having that attached, I don't know why that's the light bulb moment, but it was one of those. I've just I watch. I remember watching that featurette over and over and over again and being like, yeah that's where I want to be. And I have since watched other directorial featurettes and had the same <laughs> reaction, right? It's not just that one. I'm like... It wasn't just re- the Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, my, my dream is really to be involved in this movie that's already been made. And no, that's not it. But that was the first kind of behind the scenes that really I was like, wow, every aspect of that looks like something I want to try and create uh, or be a part of in the future. Um, and... Yeah, since then I've only ever watched movies and behind the scenes with that same excitement and and want to to, to head in that direction in any capacity. Again, it's like I think you know Jess was all about performance. Um, you change from performance into direction. I'm like, put me on a set. <laughs> but then um, I think like because unlike Jess, my main moment wasn't when I was on stage. It was when I went into the theatre. So mm. maybe 
maybe, yeah, maybe we're not. Maybe we're, we're, we're maybe Jess is the weird one. No, I'm not saying any of us are weird. It's just that even though I first went into a theatre because I was performing there, yeah. it was being in that space as opposed to necessarily yeah. being on stage that, that was the moment for me. Fascinating. I think it's an episode um, in and of itself, honestly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Noted. Um, well, aside from our moments of this is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our, our, our dreamy moments just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our self-indulgence. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I also thought that <sighs> Jess brought up some, some really interesting things, one of them being this question of do you need to go to drama school to, to get an agent? Um, and yeah. I'm kind of bringing this up, not that I really have anything more to add to the conversation, but just that it's something that that I think I'd really like to to continue to ask and, and find out from other people's experiences and and um yeah I think, you know I m- think maybe so. when we speak to other people in the future maybe we can see 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 what their experiences have been that is going to be one of the prevailing questions and that tension between the way you're quote unquote supposed to do it i.e. the way that it's most commonly done and trying to break new ground and go your own way I mean we saw this with um, the last episode which is producing your own work can occasionally have this kind of again you force, you see this tension between um those two worlds right and part of that's a little bit as what you know what do you determine as success in this case it was you know me and jess held a similar view of um trying to strive for as far as you can in something that you're passionate about and you know that's healthy or unhealthy we shall see or whether or not it's just about being and doing what you love to do and i think that question holds no truth in terms of any kind of coherent answer i think you could talk to two different people with two different answers and i nod my head equal in equal agreement well i think it's like um, you say it's it's partially to do with well what is it that, that you actually want want yeah, to do and get out of it sure. is it for because sure. you know say for for jess does she want to become a massive hollywood actor who you know her name's everywhere she's on all these big interview shows or is it quite simply that she wants to act? Um, mm. And I'm, I'm just using that as an example. But, no, um, but you know, and wrong. both are perfectly <laughs> fine answers. They are. And I think there's a little bit of, there's a stigma that surrounds that trajectory, right? For both mm. people who hold that, because that's what people want. Yeah. It's not, deni- you know, you, people shy away from it for the sake of, you know, some kind of sense of shame. But there's no, there is no shame in going for that as an as an ideal. And I think... I think it yeah, actually in a way kind of right. comes back to um, something I brought up in, gosh, it might have been the episode with um, Ollie, the first Ollie that we, we spoke to. Ollie, Ollie <laughs> um, the first, his royal highness. <laughs> Ollie won, um, which was when I was finishing uni and all these uh, practitioners, um, you know, professionals in the industry said to us, if you want to do it enough, you'll do it. Yeah, I'd say if you if there was a mantra to hold, the if you want to do it is the main question. How you do it is completely flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else from our conversation with Jess that you... Getting, getting in that... I think a lot of people hold a similar position where you've not done something or something's gone wrong, right? And you haven't done mm-hmm. something for X amount of time, be that, you know, weeks, months, years. Um being able to kind of come to your have that conversation with yourself and reevaluate who you want to be and what you want to do um i think that was really interesting because 
Yeah. I mean, we were we were there in sixth form when mm. she had when she changed her mind. Um, you so more than me. I think I was kind of about. But it's um. but it's something that I think is not an uncommon experience, and many many people will stay in that hole of oh, it's it's over. The boat has passed. Um, yeah. So I thought that was quite quite an admirable part of the conversation. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I don't really have much to much to add that to that was, yeah, other than that, that you know. I think I think a lot of people. <laughs> yeah yeah again just some something to take note of <laughs> yeah um but no i i really enjoyed the chat with jess um it was a good and catch up yeah and I, I really hope that she she enjoys the rest of her drama school having spoken to her because it's been yeah. a little while since we recorded the episode they're now doing a lot more of their lessons in person i know I think it's it's all... the end of the crazy hopefully yeah so I think but, um, she's having a far more positive experience now, and and I hope that that yeah. continues, and that and that she gets her agent at the end of it, and um, yeah, we'll have to get her back, everything. see if she has a yeah. better story than Lewis. <laughs> oh God, I hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Thank you for listening to the importance of staying earnest. If you want to keep up with us outside the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at T-I-O-S-E underscore podcast or on Facebook at the importance of staying earnest podcast. If you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at tiose.podcast at gmail.com. Please drop us a review if you enjoyed and we'll see you next time. <laughs>